Well, uh, in spite of some of those attempts at humor, dads, we really do appreciate you. You know, in popular uh, culture, specifically on most TV comedies, dads don't fare too well. Have you guys noticed that? And uh, I will admit uh, that even though dads are often portrayed as bumbling idiots on those shows, and I really shouldn't, I find myself watching some of those shows and kind of kind of laughing at, uh, at what they show. Uh, but it's really a very unfair characterization uh, of dads. Most dads that I know take their responsibilities very seriously, care very deeply for their children, and desire to be good dads. Of course, sometimes our intentions are more noble than our actual actions, and one of the key things for being a good dad is to make sure that our intentions and our actions are in sync uh, with each other. Uh, Today, what I want to do is look at a story in the book of Genesis. It is the story of Isaac and uh, his sons, uh, Jacob uh, and Esau. If you're familiar with the story, you know that it involves deception and betrayal. And uh, our attention when we look at this story is almost always on the deception uh, that happens in the story, so much so that we tend to overlook the four verses that give us really good insight into how to be a good father, how to be a father that blesses our children. And so here in a few minutes, we're going to read Genesis 27, uh, verses 25 through 29, if you want to turn there. Uh, But let me set the stage a bit uh, before we read those verses. Uh, Isaac and his wife, Rebekah, had two sons, Esau and Jacob. And these two boys weren't anything alike. Esau was an outdoorsman. He loved hunting and fishing. And the Bible uh, notes that he was a very hairy man. Uh, Jacob was more of a homebody. Matt Branson liked that. (laughs) Uh, Jacob was more of a homebody. He spent a lot of time with his mother. And uh, he wasn't like Esau. He wasn't a Grizzly Adams type. The the, the Bible makes a point of saying he was a very smooth-skinned man. And so at the time of this, uh, these events, the story, Isaac is old and blind and uh, thinks that his time of death is approaching. And so he decides it's time to pass on his blessing to his oldest son before he dies. And even though these boys are twins, uh, Esau was born first. If you know the story, you know that Esau was born first, but Jacob was grabbing his, his heel as they, uh, as they were born. Uh, but, but Esau was the oldest. And we need to understand that a Jewish father's blessing was a very important thing. One of the ways that it was important was that the uh, oldest son received a double share of the father's possessions. So this blessing was a great honor. It brought great advantages. It was a big deal. You can read about the deception that took place yourself, uh, but because Jacob was Rebekah's favorite son, she conspired to secure the blessing for Jacob while Esau was out hunting game for his father. And so what she did is she prepared some tasty food that would be very similar to what Esau would have brought back with him uh, from his hunt. And she had Jacob put on some of Esau's clothing. Uh, she, She then put some animal skins on Jacob's arms and hands to make them feel hairy like Esau. 
You really cannot make up the stuff that you find in the Bible. I, I mean, it's just pretty, pretty incredible stuff. And she sends Jacob into his father to deceive him and secure the blessing for himself that should have belonged to Esau. Now, Isaac was suspicious that something was up. He knew that the voice he was hearing didn't sound like Esau, and so he asked to touch Jacob. And after touching him, Isaac commented that the voice was the voice of Jacob, but the hands were the hands of Esau. He, he continues to be suspicious, and so he just asked outright, are you my son Esau? And Jacob lies and says, I am. And, and Isaac, if you read through the story, it seems like he, he stays suspicious throughout. Uh, he is suspicious, but he, he can't see. And because the hands that, that he touched seemed like the hands of Esau, and because Jacob was just so determined to stick with the deception, even though he was questioned about it, Isaac finally is, is at least, you know, sort of convinced and agrees to bestow his blessing. Now, it's not the point of the message today. But I want to note for us that though Jacob is a great deceiver, throughout Scripture, God is often referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This Jacob, the liar, the, the deceiver. And friends, this lets us know that God can work with absolutely anyone. You know, all God has to choose from are a bunch of sinful people. That, that, that is all he has to work with. And so just because Jacob started out so despicably, was such a deceiver, it did not mean that God wouldn't work with him. And, and though he started out a deceiver, God redeemed his life and made something great out of it. In fact, in, in God's uh, knowledge, he knew that there was something special about Jacob from before these boys were even born. He had told their mother, Rebecca, that the older son was going to serve the younger son. So he started off bad, but God knew what was in him, what could be developed in him, and God can do the same for each and every one of us here today. If we know that we are not the person that God wants us to be, we can know that we don't have to stay this way, that God will take us, that God will work with us, that God will redeem us, he will make us new, and he will make something great out of our lives, no matter how bad, how sinful, how horrible our start is. So I hope that's uh, an encouragement for you today. So while the blessing was obtained, uh, obtained deceptively, it, it doesn't change that the blessing we see Isaac bestow upon Jacob is very instructive for those of us who are fathers about how we can bless our kids. Gary Smalley writes in his book, The Blessing, that this blessing Isaac bestowed on Jacob contains four ingredients that ought to be present in every home and that when these four ingredients are present and practiced consistently, then our children are greatly helped in growing up to be solid, secure, and confident people able to go out into the world and function well. So let's read verses 25 through 29 and discover these four ingredients of Isaac's blessing that ought to be present in our fathering and our mothering, uh, but today our emphasis is on the fathers. So Genesis 27, 25 through 29, here's what we read. 
Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. So fathers, here are four ingredients that we need in order to bless our children, to have our lives be a blessing to our kids' lives. The first thing we see in the text is that in order to bless our children, we need to provide them with meaningful touch. Verse 26, again, then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. Verse 27, so he went to him and kissed him. This is not an isolated event. Almost every time that a blessing is bestowed in Hebrew culture, it is accompanied by touch, laying on of hands, a kiss, and embrace. And these touches communicate love, acceptance, and approval. And we see throughout Scripture, if we pay attention, the importance of physical touch. You remember in the Gospels, Jesus touching the little children, having them come and sit on his lap and and blessing them. You'll remember the story in the Gospels of Jesus touching the person with leprosy, a person who was starved for human contact because for years and years, no one was willing to touch them. Jesus knew that they not only needed physical healing, but they needed the emotional healing that would come with meaningful physical uh, touch. We also find in the New Testament about the laying on of hands when we pray for one another. Jesus knew the children and the leper needed to be touched to feel loved, to feel accepted, and to feel approval. Fathers, your children need to receive meaningful touch from you. When our children are small, before they can understand our words, touching them, holding them, is a vitally important way of communicating our love for them. Of course, in the story we read, Jacob was probably about 40 years old, but Isaac still touched him and kissed him to bestow his blessing. Fathers, no matter the age of your children, personal contact, a hug, a kiss, an embrace. If you're in a really stoic family who just hasn't been able to do these things, maybe at least you could work up the courage for a warm handshake. You you know, the kind where you squeeze the forearm as you shake the hand. But there... Yeah, that was funny in my head. Um, (laughs) Meaningful touch is so important in communicating love and acceptance to your child. Are you doing this, Dad? Your child needs you to offer meaningful touch. So we bless our kids with meaningful touch. And the second way we bless our kids is by verbalizing love and affection. We touch and we speak. I believe he was joking. I hope he was joking. 
But my great-grandfather, who uh, passed away in 1988, loved to tell us that when he married my great-grandmother, he told her on the wedding day that he loved her. And he informed her that if he ever changed his mind about that, he would let her know. Otherwise, she should just remember that he loved her. Now, again, I think he was joking. I hope he was joking because that is a horrible (laughs) approach uh, to marriage. They were married for 62 years, so I think he was joking. Uh, But it's a horrible approach in marriage, and it's a horrible approach in parenting. Dad, your kids need you to verbalize love, affection, and approval regularly. Verse 27, so he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. Now, that may not sound so loving and affectionate and approving to us. Uh, How many of our kids today would really be, you know, warmed by hearing us say, Ah, you smell like one of those fields as I drive to church just when... The fertilizer has been put down. It it would not not be a very complimentary thing. But to an outdoorsman like Isaac, who thought he was speaking to Esau, the smell of a field and, and the type of field he was referring to was one that was about to be harvested. He said one that the Lord has blessed. It's a field about to be harvested. Now that was a great smell. And it was a compliment because Esau was an outdoorsman. So it was a message that communicated affection and approval. Again, Esau was a man of the outdoors. And so the statement by Isaac is a statement of approval for who Esau is as a person. Because again, Isaac believes that he is blessing Esau. Now, I think it is good for us and needed of us as dads to give our kids constructive criticism. Maybe a few of you would disagree with me, but I think kids who are told that they are awesome and brilliant all the time don't turn out very good. And they meet reality at some point. So it's better they receive reality from me than from their first boss, is my thought on it. Uh, But we must be careful not to become critical in a way that isn't constructive. And one of the ways that we avoid that is by making sure that we don't only offer constructive criticism, but that we also offer verbal statements of love, affection, and approval, statements that approve of who they are as a person. And these statements range from, you know, general down to very specific things about, you know, our, individ- our, our children. You know, things like, you are so special to us. We have prayed for you for years. I'm honored to be your dad. I'm proud of you. I'm glad God gave you to us. You look really nice today. You have a good mind. You've got a very creative mind. Your effort at school has been really good. The initiative you've shown is awesome. Words of love and acceptance, affirmation, approval have to be spoken over and over and over again. And here's one of the reasons they have to be, because sadly, the disapproving words stand out more than the approving words do. You know this, even in your job. You know, if your boss 
uh, says something corrective or uh, something sort of unkind. I mean, that's just huge in your mind. But then the compliments are very easy to overlook, easy to uh, forget. And so we have to speak the approving words over and over and over consistently to make sure that the message gets received. And it's especially important to verbalize love and acceptance when our kids stumble and fall because it's in those moments where they have failed in some way that they really need that reassurance. Moms and dads, especially you dads today, are you verbalizing love, acceptance, and approval? Or, or are you like my great-grandfather jokingly claimed to be? Is your attitude toward your kids, I told them once I was proud of them, and they should know that that's what I think. It's not enough. It's not enough. You, 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 can't, you can't go about it that way. We bless our kids by providing meaningful touch, by verbalizing love, affection, and approval, and we bless them by providing assurance of value. Look at verse 28. May God give you of heaven's dew and of the earth's richness an abundance of grain and new wine. Here is essentially what Isaac is saying. You are so special that God is going to give you the best that he has to give. Fathers, you need to assure your kids of their value. And there is no better way for you to do that than continually assuring them of their value to God. We have to teach our kids that they're so valuable to God that he took on flesh, came into our world, and died on a cross for them. God has given his very best for our kids So we need to teach them they're valuable to God, and then we need to show them that they are valuable to us. Words spoken to them communicate value, but actions have to back up those words. We have to show them that they are valuable to us. And one of the key ways that we do this is by spending time with them. And not just spending time with them, but being present in the moment when we spend time with them. And I'll admit, and I would guess this is true of many dads here today, uh, that I am challenged in this area. I actually feel like I'm with my kids quite a bit, but so often, if I'm honest, I am there physically, but not there mentally. We can be so easily distracted by the buzz of our cell phone telling us that we have Uh, another text message, or uh, so many of us these days are fighting just an ongoing compulsion to constantly be scrolling through Facebook and see what's going on in everybody else's life while someone who who loves us and we love and, and who our time with them in our home is passing so quickly is sitting right there with us and we are missing out uh, on the opportunity. Or sometimes we're trying to listen to our child, but at the same time, we're trying to listen to the, to, the, to the news anchor on the nightly news, not Brian Williams, someone else. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Shutting out all the distractions and being focused on your child, it communicates value. And dads, I... I, I, uh, if I know us like I think I do, we have a lot of work to do in this area. 
And so provide assurance of value, speak, speak value. But even more importantly, demonstrate value, show it. Show it by spending time and by being present in the moment. How are you doing on this one, Dad? It is a very important one. So we bless our kids by meaningful touch, verbalizing love, affection, and approval by providing assurance of value. And the final thing we see in Isaac's blessing is that we bless our kids by providing a picture of a meaningful and glorious future. Verse 29, may nations serve you and people bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be uh, blessed. Isaac is helping his son, he thinks Esau, to raise his sights and see what a bright future lies ahead of him. Now, as we do this, it's not going to to sound quite like uh, what Isaac said here, but it is our duty as uh, fathers, if we want to be a blessing to our children, to help them see what a bright future can lay ahead for them. We do this by helping them discover their spiritual gifts, by knowing to, to communicate to them that God has given them their gifts, helping them to discover uh, how those gifts can best be used for themselves, for their future family, and for the glory of God. We help them find their place. We help them find their niche. We help them find their calling. And part of this responsibility includes avoiding the temptation to place expectation on our children's futures that is not a good fit for them. We so often as dads want to act like Saul did, King Saul did, when when David was willing to go out and fight Goliath. What Saul do? He wanted to put all of his armor on David. You know, this is how I'm comfortable going out to fight David, and so this is how I want you to do it. So we're going to put all this heavy armor on you, and then you go out and fight Goliath. If you're familiar with the story, you know David finally said, I just can't do it this way. This, this is not going to work for me. I have to do it in the way that I know will work for me. And so we've got to allow our kids and help our kids to find what works for them with the unique ways that God has gifted uh, them, the unique way that God has created them. We need to help them discover who they really are in Christ, that their identity is found in Jesus, and we need to let them know how Christ has uniquely prepared them for their own meaningful and glorious future. Our jobs, dad, <coughs> dads, are, our jobs are not to mold our children into our own image. It is to help them discover the gifts that God has given them and how those gifts serve the purpose that God has for them, the vocation that God has for them, and how their gifts and God's calling on their life will be a blessing to them, their spouses, their children, and will bring glory to God. And so we help to paint a picture, to create a vision of a meaningful and glorious future Uh, for them. We help them discover what that future can look like for them. And there is one aspect of that picture that we are to paint for them, that vision of the future that we are to paint for them that always remains fixed. And and here's the part that always remains uh, fixed. It always includes 
faithfulness to God and God's purpose for their lives. And it always includes an emphasis on the glorious future that awaits every single one of us who belong to Jesus, that future that we were singing about just a few minutes ago. But with those fixed aspects in place, then we go to work on the specifics that we are to help them discover, the specifics for them, not force our ideas on them. And so dads, are you providing a picture of a meaningful and glorious future for your kids? Are you helping them to discover what that looks like for them? You want to bless your kids, dads. Here are four key things that each of us need to do. Provide meaningful touch. Verbalize love, affection, and approval. Provide assurance of value. And provide a picture of a meaningful and glorious future. What we've discovered in Genesis 27 is an example from Isaac of important ingredients for blessing our children. And each one of us dads will do well if we make these things a part of our parenting. But I want to offer a couple thoughts for those of us who either have in the past, are right now, or may in the future struggle to do these things that we've talked about here today. One of the great struggles that I think many men have with being fathers uh, that follow the example we've seen here in Genesis, with being fathers that provide these needed things to their kids, is that they did not have a good model in their own life. Now, many of us have been blessed with good and godly fathers, and we are very thankful for that. But not all of us have. Many men, perhaps some of you here today, did not have godly fathers. And so they did not receive these things that we've talked about here today in their own childhood. You may not have had these things uh, modeled for you. And sometimes what happens is as fathers, we struggle to give to our kids what we did not receive when we were kids. Some of you maybe didn't have the advantage of seeing these kind of things demonstrated by your own father, and it's reaping a negative consequence now, not only for you, but for your children. And if this is true of you, the first thing that I want to say to you is that I am sorry that that has been your experience. I am very sorry about that. I am very sorry that your father did not model these things to you. I I genuinely am. But more importantly than expressing my sorrow for that, I want to encourage you today that God, your father, can provide for you what your earthly father did not. If you will simply turn to Jesus, look to him, he can provide everything that your earthly father failed to provide. He'll provide meaningful touch to you. You can experience him in such a real and intimate way that though it won't be a physical touch, it will be just as real and just as healing as physical touch. God, through the Holy Spirit, will speak his love and affection and approval to you. In Christ, God has demonstrated beyond any question how valuable you are to him, so valuable that he gave Jesus to die for you. And the Holy Spirit can give you a picture, a vision 
of the meaningful and glorious future that God has for you. God has and can provide each of these things for you directly, supernaturally. And then sometimes he will do something different. He will supernaturally work through another person, another human being who becomes God with skin on for you, a person who speaks words you need to hear, approval you need to know, touch you need to feel, vision for a better future. However God chooses to work, whether it is just directly and supernaturally or whether it is supernaturally through another person, the point remains the same. God can provide for you what your earthly father didn't so that you will be able to provide to your kids what you didn't receive from your earthly father, but what you have received from your heavenly father. You see, we can't give what we don't have. So if you haven't received these things, I encourage you to press into God your Father and allow Him to provide for you. And out of that place of receiving what you need, you'll be better prepared to give your kids what they need. One final encouragement I have, dads. If you are anything like me, you are well aware of your shortcomings as a father. Uh, Some of us, our shortcomings are within the context of still being generally good dads. Some of us, sadly, we're just not very good fathers at all. But all of us, wherever we're at on the spectrum, we, we all have shortcomings in our fathering. And because we do, we can face a lot of regret. And I think you, you don't need me to tell you that regret can be a brutal brutal master. So I just want to share a simple thought with you today, but one that I hope the Holy Spirit will use to encourage you. You can't change the mistakes that you have made in the past, but you can appreciate that each new day is a new opportunity to start again and to be the dad that you've always meant to be. You see, the enemy of our souls wants to compound our troubles. Here's what he wants to do. He wants to use our regret from past mistakes to keep us wallowing around in self-loathing regret so that we miss the opportunity that each new day presents. I'm appealing to you today to not allow him to do that. You cannot change the past, but what you can do is allow it to be the past. Allow it to be the past. Don't allow it to dictate the future. Take advantage of each new day to begin again and be the dad that you've always meant to be. Whether your kids are very young, whether they're in middle school or high school or Uh, whether they are now adults, it is never too late to start being the dad you've always wanted to be. You won't be able to fix everything. You will not be able to undo all of the hurt, but you can work to change the future. And here's something else that I want to encourage you dads with. In the vast majority of cases... Even if you have let your kids down and hurt them deeply, they are pulling for you 
to turn it around and become the dad that you ought to be. They want you to. And in the vast majority of cases, when you do, they are going to respond well. In some cases, the damage will be so deep that they may not respond well. And if that's the case, you're going to need to lean on Jesus to strengthen you, to sustain you, and to comfort you. But friends, in most cases, kids are going to respond well when we step up and start being the dads that we were meant to be. So today's a new day. Don't let the mistakes of the past continue today. Start again. Be the dad you always wanted to be through the power of God for the good of your kids and for the glory of God. Let's stand.